Welcome to the Four Drink Think Tank. Join us as we embark on a journey of discovery from the depths of our minds to the farthest reaches of the cosmos, all while balancing on the delicate tightrope between sobriety and inebriation. We may not have actual credentials or any real expertise, but armed with our wits, our questionable knowledge, and a healthy dose of liquid courage, we'll tackle the big questions that keep us up at night. So grab your favorite libation, sit back, and prepare to witness the magic that can happen when two semi-sober pseudoscientists tackle the biggest questions of our time. Welcome to the Four Drink Think Tank. Who are we? I'm your captain of creative chaos, Kenny. And I'm your principal paradigm pioneer, Chad. And that'll bring us into our first shot this week. Which, what are we drinking, by the way? What is this? Shot quick. Shot time. That was icy cold. Mm, Minty. It was. It was delicious. Our shot this week is Rumplemints, the peppermint delicious beverage best served on ice. Fun fact about Rumplemints, it's short for Rumplemins liquor, and the term Rumplemints comes from the combination of Rumplemins and peppermint schnapps, and origi- originated in Germany, I believe, and it's now made in London. Yes, also another fun fact about this, this stuff will burn. It's 100 proof, so we're going to be feeling good later. It is delicious, though. It is so good. <laughs> Which, uh, I suppose, brings us to the topic of this week. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about cold. You know, last week, we talked about all things hot. This week, it's all things cold, which is fitting in this um, cold season that we seem to live in. So, uh, yeah, with that, we've had our rumble mints. And I think that brings us into our sponsor this week. Our sponsor this week is brought to you by Glacier Guardian Insurance. Attention all ice enthusiasts! Have you heard the devastating news? Global warming is melting our precious glaciers at an alarming rate. But fear not, for Glacier Insurance is here to protect your icy investment. With our comprehensive coverage, you can rest assured that your glacier will remain pristine even in the face of rising temperatures. And as a bonus for our listeners of this podcast, our coverage includes designated driver for when you have had one too many on your melting glacier. Use code negative 459.67 at a checkout to save 32% on your next glacier rescue service. I definitely have this insurance. Um, I use it to keep the glaciers in my yard safe, which I will make a shit ton of money after they melt in the spring. Yeah, I definitely had this insurance long before they were a sponsor of the podcast, so we're happy to have them. Yeah, that 32% on your Uber ride off a, uh, a glacier when you need a helicopter, definitely worth it. Yeah, so with that, that's our sponsor for today. And we can get into our first topic, which is just to summarize what is cold. So before we do that, shall we take our shot? Let's have another shot. Another shot. We have to reach that optimal brain state to convey this information. Ah, peppermint so snaps. We even chilled it. Our research shows that there's an optimal temperature to consume rumple mints, which is about 41 degrees. Okay, so into this. What is cold? What is it? What is it? So yeah, last week we talked about what is hot. Cold, in this case, you know, by definition, is the subjective perception of temperature that indicates a lack of warmth. Um, It is the absence of heat or a state of low temperature. And that's really the key thing here is that there really isn't a, a cold per se. It's more so at what point do you feel like you're not hot anymore? Um, which is kind of an interesting thought. 
so the other thing is that coldness can be felt internally so that when you're experiencing, let's say, a fever or you're in a state of hypothermia, you're actually feeling your internal body state. Uh, so your sensory mechanisms for cold go deeper than just skin. In fact, they go all the way to your core. And what's kind of interesting is that perception of cold can vary quite a bit from person to person. And based on the environment or based on how you're feeling that day, obviously, fever, you are going to experience that state in a different way. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later with our upcoming topics here. But um, it's just something to, to keep in mind here. So key cold points to think about, right? There's 32 degrees Fahrenheit, zero Celsius. That's when water freezes. That's something that we're all very familiar with. The one that you may only have heard a little bit about is absolute zero, which is a fun one. Do you know what absolute zero is, director? I've heard of it. I don't remember specifically, but it's as cold as you can possibly get in the world, the universe, as far as I understand. That is correct. We have no way of reaching it as far as I know, right? We can get so close, but we can never quite get there. Interesting. Yeah, so that's the fun thing. Um, So absolute zero is minus 459.67 degrees Fahrenheit. That sounds a lot like our... Our, our sponsor code. code. Our sponsor code. And there's a reason for that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah right? Uh, <laughs> but but the, the fun thing about this is that uh, we can get really close to that. And as we start to cool stuff below that, like to that temperature, we actually run into a problem where the matter starts to like smear together. And so you get this thing called a Bose-Einstein condensate where the molecules kind of start to blend. And for lack of a better term the parts of those molecules or those atoms start to sort of fuse together and and not behave normally. It's almost like physics starts to break down a little bit. Um, So we haven't been able to get colder than that, but we haven't needed to at this point. And, um, you know, maybe maybe there'll be some way to go below that. I did read a research paper a while back that talked about emulating or simulating what would be called the Oh, geez, what do they call it, like anti-hot or anti-cold, something like that, where you could get an inversion in the quantum states and you would actually be colder than cold. You'd be like one degree below that. And it's really weird. It's not, it ends up not being a temperature-based thing, but it ends up being like a weird energy state where things gain energy in like a weird way from not moving and it violates physics and hence why we don't see it in normal everyday life. So, I mean, one way to look at it, so last week you talked about heat, where that right. kind of speeds up everything, and cold slows everything down to a certain point. Is it all related to energy? It certainly is, right? So, if you imagine, um, you know, those molecules or those atoms, like, jiggling around, when stuff gets cold, they move less. They just don't vibrate as viciously, for lack of a better word. And that's really, like, when you think about things on the, on a microscopic level, that's a good way to think about it. Like, everything's just buzzing a little bit. It's just, like, in place, sort of vibrating. And that's the nature of physics, right? The nature of atoms and how things are. Um, and as they get colder, they just vibrate less and less and less until you get to a point where they start to smear together and you're not really sure where they are. Hence, Bose-Einstein condensate. Hmm. So, yes, I would say that's a good way to think about it. Sure, yeah. Energy is all. Energy is all. All is energy. We'll talk about that later on a future episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. Something in the works. Yeah. But with that, I think that concludes this topic. 
Which you ready us- for another shot? Yeah, oh, I'm always ready for another shot. <laughs> always down. Cheers. What do you got any, for us? It doesn't get any worse. The Rumpelmans is just smooth. It really is. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, cold exposure. Sure like, am. Like ice baths, cold showers, polar plunging, stuff like that. There's even, uh, what is that, cryotherapy where you stand in the cryo chamber and it's cold as shit. Never done that, but I've always been curious about it. I definitely want to try it sometime. For sure. So... There's a lot of benefits of cold exposure for health, performance, recovery. A few facts about cold exposure. It can increase your metabolism, your weight loss. It's been shown that exposure to cold temperatures can stimulate the the production of brown fat. Which is good. Brown fat, good. So brown fat burns calories to generate heat and regulate body temperature, which, like I said, increases metabolism and weight loss. Uh, It's been shown to improve immune function, so it increases the production of white blood cells, which help fight off infections and diseases. They're often called the most important blood cells, the white blood cells. It's also been shown to reduce inflammation, so cold exposure can reduce inflammation in the body, which is linked to a variety of health problems, such as heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Inflammation is big bad, so icing... I mean, that's a common thing where you get an injury or you're, you get a swollen ankle or something. For example, you put ice on it, reduces inflammation. Cold exposure can reduce inflammation, you know, internally that maybe you're not even aware of. So that's super be, good to have. Yeah, that could be extremely beneficial. So it's also been shown to improve your mood and your mental health. I can imagine after being in an ice bath, getting out of it, Maybe you're just uh, your mental health is a little better because you're just happy to be out of the cold. <laughs> Maybe have you experienced that? Uh, yeah, actually, I can I can attest to that. Um, so last summer I went through a uh, period where I really wanted to try this, and I know you're going to talk about this in a minute here, but we I did some cold exposures, which are around 60 degrees, which aren't terrible, but when you get out of bed and jump into a cold bathtub, it hurts. Um, and I, I can definitely say that uh, you are awake after you do that for a few minutes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The cold is good. definitely good to wake you up. So, yeah. What um, else you got for us? Well, cold is also, cold exposure is also known to increase athletic performance by reducing muscle soreness and improving muscle recovery. Hmm. And another fun thing is it can improve your sleep. If you do uh, cold exposure sometime throughout the day at any point, it's been proven to help your sleep quality and duration, which definitely has a good positive impact on your overall well-being. Actually, this is something that's interesting that I can attest to as well. So I have one of those smarter thermostats, as you probably do too. I have my schedule set so that uh, when it's time to go to bed, or a little before bed, I actually dialed the house temperature down. And I've noticed, and I think a lot of people have noticed this too, that uh, you sleep a little bit better when it's like a little bit chilly, but not like, you you know, you crawl into your covers and you feel warm yet, but like the outside temperature in the room is cooler. Yeah, I guess like a good point of reference is if you're sweating at all while you're sleeping, it's too hot in that room. Exactly. I mean, You're, you're ruining your sleep quality if it's too warm. And, and you can see this on even like a commercial sleep tracker too. So if you have a Fitbit or or a, 
a whoop strap or a, an aura ring you'll, you'll see that your like quality goes down if you're in a warmer than normal environment and you're trying to sleep yeah um but let's say you've had a good night's sleep you're at a good point what do we know about waking up in the morning what, what does or the how, research say about that or how cold exposure can help you out say in the morning or I guess if you're a person that showers in the morning, you could definitely benefit from a cold shower. I mean, you can take a warm shower, you know, wake up, hop in the shower, start out warm. That's perfectly fine. In the last 30 seconds to a minute approximately, turn that shower to cold, just real cold. About 50 degrees Fahrenheit is what they say is the most beneficial. Um, That could hugely benefit you. It'll help you wake up. It'll help this brown fat. It'll help your metabolism, weight loss, immunity, or immune function, or inflammation, just overall hugely beneficial. But if you're a person that doesn't shower in the morning and say shower at night, um, same thing. I mean, anytime you can take a cold shower where the last 30 seconds to a minute you're doing cold shower, that's you're getting this cold exposure benefits. And if you don't want to do a cold shower and you'd rather do an ice bath to experience the benefits... If you can get 11 minutes of cold exposure every week, so 11 minutes per week, and you can divide that between cold showers or ice baths, however you please, if you can get 11 minutes of cold exposure, you're optimizing these benefits. And that doesn't have to be every day, right? Right. Yeah, you could do, well, 11 minutes in one go, not so good. (laughs) I wouldn't exceed, (laughs) I think it's, they say three to five minutes. If you get past that three to five minutes, depending on your personal tolerance per se. Um, if you get past that, it's less beneficial and you're just kind of miserable. <laughs> well, and it's about like kickstarting your body to think that it's uh, freezing, right? And it's trying to be warm and that's where the benefits come from, right? Right. Say you do two minutes of an ice bath every other day. That's what? Math? <laughs> math. Uh, yeah. That's uh, 10 minutes on a work day or yeah. work week and 14 minutes on a, uh, <laughs> a, a full week. Uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, it doesn't take a lot, honestly. Just last little bit of your shower, last 30 seconds to a minute, just, or say you do it every single day. Do one minute, the last minute of your shower every single day, turn it to cold. It might suck, might take a little bit getting used to, but you'll definitely start seeing some cold exposure benefits there. And yeah, I, that's something I can attest to. There's there's some unstudied piece of this which may have to do with uh, the season, which I've noticed that in the summer this seems to work really well, and in the winter, uh, not so much. I don't know what it is, but being cold in the winter. Well, we live in an environment where it is extremely cold outside, below zero for a couple months period. You'll have multiple days below zero, and so I don't. I w- almost wonder if we're not getting those cold exposure benefits just for walking outside. I, I wonder that too. I suspect <laughs> that's, that's right. That's maybe where you transition to the sauna instead, which right. is a whole other episode. Yeah, that's a lot of benefits there. We should have covered that last week in our heat episode, but that is all right. We'll cover that in depth later. We have notes on that. We'll bring it up at the board meeting. Which I think brings I guess, us to... Well, I was going to say you one... Have more? one you have more? I was going to say one note of caution. If you're doing the cold shower to get your cold exposure, if you're going to try and get cold exposure, but a word of caution here. They recommend, by they I mean people that have studied this, people that have researched this, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But don't do the cold shower after a workout because that'll kind of diminish your benefits of the workout. You won't 
benefit as much or recover as well. Well, that sounds good. I think this brings us to our next topic and our next shot, actually. I I could use another shot. I think I could use another one as well. I am thirsty as well. All this speak of cold makes me need another cold beverage. Cold shot of rumplements. Mm. Rumplements was a good idea this week. Much smoother than the fireball from last week. And much smoother than the vodka from the the first week. Our unreleased episode. (laughs) If you Venmo me, I'll give it to you. Yes, for a small fee in Ethereum. (laughs) If you use code, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so... What do you got for us? I have uh, some more cold topics and another domain, uh, which is superconductors, which is really interesting. Superconductors, sure. Yeah, superconductors. So what are superconductors? They are a weird quirk we have in uh, our world, which doesn't exist in, in our normal life yet, although that's the hope. But basically, it's a wire that has no resistance. You get electricity, and you don't have to worry about any heating or any resistance due to the wires. Like, are you talking about gold or... Well, gold is a good one, which if you've ever looked at your uh, headphone jack, you've noticed that it's probably gold-plated. Sure. It's like gold color, um, which it is gold-plated. Or um, what is the resource they use in uh, computers that are super rare? Ooh. Um, ah, you're going to oh. tax me here. Well, oh. silicon is the semiconductor, but... Uh, semiconductor, but... Uh, isn't there a superconductor material that's extremely rare and highly sought after? Well, that's a problem. We don't know yet. So there are a couple of different okay. types of superconductors, right? Sure. Yep. Um, and this has been the goal, the holy grail of like electrical transmission and with computers is that we've tried to make a superconductor that works at room temperature. Okay. So we have superconductors that work at um, temperatures where you have to use liquid nitrogen or liquid helium. Those were like the first ones, the liquid helium. Helium is really close to absolute zero when it becomes liquid. Liquid nitrogen is a little bit easier to work with. That's a little bit higher. I think that's like minus 39, although I don't know off the top of my head. And so then the research has gone to like try to take this to the next level. Like how can we get this at at normal earth temperatures? And so, you know, what are some benefits of this? Why would you care, right? You want no resistance in your wires for your things like computers, right? If your computer gets hot or your phone gets hot, it has to slow down so that it can continue to process without melting itself. Resistance which, is heat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The yeah. resistance in the wire creates heat. And at a very simple level, you can think of it like the electrons, which in essence are electricity. As they hop from atom to atom, they bounce into other atoms and they they jiggle them a little bit, which makes a move, which creates more heat, as we talked about, and that's bad. And uh, you don't want to melt your processor, right? If you've ever had a graphics card that got too hot and it melted and it fried itself, it's no bueno. So this breakthrough is interesting because um, the University of Rochester uh, announced last week that they may have actually cracked this problem. Or at least gotten really close to what would be a room temperature superconductor. So they got a superconductor working at 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is room temperature by definition. The only caveat is that you had to pressurize the uh, material. So it's, uh, I think it's one gigapascal, which is about 10,000 atmospheres of pressure, which uh, is more than the, you know, normal atmospheres, right? But that's okay. Um, It's a step in the right direction. So 
we're at a point where we found something that works at room temperature. We need a little bit more pressure. And it's a special type of hydrogen and nitrogen compound they call lutetium. It's an interesting compound for various reasons, but I think the takeaway here is just that uh, we're getting closer, right? So if you look back in history a little bit, you see that over the last, let's say, 50 years, we get better and better materials that work at higher and higher temperatures. And so we've known for a while there are superconducting materials that work with, you know, as we've talked about, like freezing temperatures and under high temperatures, or excuse me, high pressures. But I, th I think the big takeaway here is that uh, we're getting closer to where we want to be, which is something that we could ideally just like spray on to existing power lines and not have any resistance and, and, and be easier to transfer power. I think this is one of the big limitations with uh, renewable energy and as far as like sending power to big cities, right? There's this, this problem in our country and globally where the places where people live and the places where we generate energy are not in the same place. So this sort of technology would be really great. You know, it, it's like I said, the holy grail of transmitting energy. So I don't know when we're going to discover the right technology for this, right? We have a research project within the Institute to try to figure this out. But um, it's kind of one of those like chance games. It'll probably be some random compound of chemicals that we can create a wire out of that ends up being like really good for energy transmission and getting energy there. But the thing I, I, I want to bring up here is that superconductivity is a weird phenomenon. And it has to do with cold right now, but it's kind of interesting because these electrons that we talked about earlier that are electricity, you know, they move around and they hop from atom to atom. When they're in a superconductor, they kind of do a weird thing where they just sort of either teleport from atom to atom and, and don't experience the resistance, or they, they have this weird wave effect where they just sort of move through the fluid and they don't have an actual atom that they run into. This is going to be something that we need to watch for and uh, the minute that this sort of technology is developed and and commercialized is going to be a huge thing in society. Like it's going to be overnight your computers are going to get better and 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 power costs are going to come down and it's going to be a good thing. So could be definitely something to watch for. Could be a huge breakthrough just yeah, like you said overnight you'll start seeing differences all over well, I mean, <laughs> what, what do you see in your generators, right? Do you see alternators getting burned up ever? No, alternators are pretty reliable because... We overbuild them? Yeah. Well, a huge problem with generators is the heat of the alternator. So to counteract that, you put a way larger engine than you need to spin this alternator, and you use an oversized generator for basically everything. So you're derating it, severely derating the alternator capacity just to prevent any heat. And derating, meaning that you overbuild it. Right, overbuild it. Say the alternator can handle uh, just not random numbers. Say it can, it can handle 1,000 kilowatts. You're going to build it at, say, 2,000 or even 1,500 just so that it can handle the heat of whatever load you're looking for, you know? That's what you got to do. That's how we build things. We overbuild them, ideally. Overbuild for longevity. <laughs> In theory. In theory. Well, on that note, I think that leads us to our final topic. It has to do with cold women, or cold bitches. So, uh... Just cold as ice. Cold as ice, right? You know, and I think we've all run into this problem. 
male or female, where you're dating somebody and they're just not feeling it, right? They just don't have the the libido, but they also don't... The libido is, I think, the red herring here. Like, they just don't exhibit the, the warmth and the energy and the enthusiasm for the relationship that you might. Sure. But it turns out there is something to fix that, although the side effects may be worse than the actual problem that you're dealing with. But as part of our final topic here, I would like to introduce you to a compound called MDPV. MDPV. Right. Never heard of it. Right. Uh, Most people haven't. So it's an interesting compound. It is similar to cocaine. It is an amphetamine. And it's something that people have termed as being the most potent aphrodisiac that we've ever discovered up to this point, right? Okay. Uh, so so what is it, right? So uh, obviously, like, an amphetamine is something that increases dopamine levels, gets you really pumped up, gets you ready to go. And it, it does more than that. It actually increases norepinephrine. So that's the thing when you drink coffee, you feel like you need to go and you need to move and you need to do stuff. That's, that's norepinephrine, right? Norepinephrine, yep. Yeah, it's good stuff. But what what do we know about MDPV, right? I so, know nothing. Right. So, <laughs> so you may have heard another term, which is called bath salts, which this I, fits into that. And usually you have bad connotations due to Florida man. Florida man, bath salts. Right. Eat somebody's face. Um, but this chemical is a little bit different. And uh, you may know a guy named John McAfee. John McAfee, the inventor or the creator of the McAfee antivirus exactly right i can tell you a lot of stuff about that guy yeah he's an interesting dude and um he definitely deserves his own um story at some point but uh yeah so he experimented with the substance and ended up refining a process to produce it and ended up playing around with the substance and we're going to share some of his insights from that and so he did a stint where he lived in south america and manufactured and gave the substance out and they noticed that the substance had an extremely potent effect on people's libido right so just increasing dopamine will definitely increase your energy levels yeah but this particular chemical seems to make you extremely frisky Hmm. right and but it's frisky to the problem of your using inanimate objects to satisfy your needs and so this John McAfee hosted a few parties where he gave this out and he had some issues where people were molesting his fruit or getting too friendly with his dog or getting too friendly with just people who shouldn't be there being friendly with each other. And this is kind of an interesting chemical, right? So what I wonder about this is, is there is there some other method of or route of activation in your brain where it's maybe unlocking some problems rather solving some problems, or rather addresses some issues that people have with their libido. So definitely more research warranted here, but uh, some of the stories that come out of this are issues where they gave it to some local um, brothels, and they had issues with their customers deciding to run off and marry the prostitutes, (laughs) which is always a problem when you run a business like that. Yeah, you lose your employees that way. (laughs) Definitely, and people lose their spouses that way. Yeah. It's just kind of an interesting chemical that warrants more research. I did it for the drugs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the problem is nobody wants to say they did bath salts. That just, like, sounds bad. No, I did ND- MDPV. We need to figure out what other pathways it's hitting is the moral of this story. 
Right. Yeah, no, I can see that there's could be some def definitely some benefits to that. Maybe uh, figure out how to take a lower dosage of it. Right. So, I mean, in the topic of cold bitches, this is the, the most potent thing we've ever had to fix that. <laughs> you know, so, so some side notes here with this. Uh, it seems to make people's preferences for things shift. Right. I mean, people are having sexual relations with questionable items like fruit right so obviously you're not too picky i think the biggest question is just like why aren't we funding this right in in clinical research it seems like a very promising substance uh you get high energy and high libido and it's all thrown together and it kind of seems like this is making you drop some barriers in the, with the sole purpose of sex or something reproducing yeah reproducing, it's like yeah how do we keep the species going right yeah but you're also forgetting like yeah like i said drop some barriers i don't know where i was going with that but yeah it's uh probably something we need to consider more in a world where we have a lower population than we need but with that i think this uh nicely wraps up today's uh topic of cold huh yeah i think so and we could talk for hours and hours about cold but being cold being feeling cold, cold feeling cold being sad about the cold but uh yeah so with that um yeah and uh with that that's it for today's episode of four drink think tank we hope you enjoyed listening to our discussions and our innovative ideas if you have any crazy ideas or ridiculous theories of your own anything you would like us to discuss don't hesitate to share them with us on sh- social media using the hashtag four drink think tank that is hashtag number four drink think tank as always we get want to give a big shout out to our listeners who have their own unique brand of expertise and humor and another thank you to glacier guardian insurance for keeping our glacier investments protected against global warming so until next time keep thinking outside the box and drinking inside the glass cheers and stay curious